Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, we are talking about how to be an effective leader. And joining me in that conversation is Dr. Barbara Dalepese. Dr. Barbara Dalepese is an internationally recognized leadership coach, life strategist, facilitator, and author distinguished by her capacity to inspire and empower and by her unique ability to connect and tune in with people from highly diverse cultures, ages, and backgrounds. Join us as we talk about what you can do to be an effective leader. Hi, Barbara. It's so great to have you on the Leadership Habit Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am really looking forward to our conversation today to kind of tap into your expertise on how we can be effective leaders. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Barbara, Tell us about what your journey was like. What did your path look like to bring you to where you are today? How did you become interested in leadership development and helping people thrive in that space? Um, I think that that has always been a passion of mine. And when I say this, I mean that since I was um, in my 20s, I always had a passion for people. And somehow I love to see the potential in people and helping them express it. And uh, it was quite natural for me. And I had uh, lots of my friends at the time that would they would just come to me and they would call me the wise one because they would come to me for advice. And uh, and then later in life, I discovered that actually there is a profession <laughs> where you can connect with people and help them evolve and help them express their potential fully. And so I thought, oh, you know what, I think that that's, that's actually good and I would like to try it. Having said that, it was not so straightforward, the, the, the path. The path was uh, uh, going through um, working in academia. Uh, we went through um, doing facilitation and training in corporations. And uh, eventually, it was the focus on the, the coaching side and the leadership development. And the leadership development, because uh, I realized that actually, um, to have an impact, we do need to develop the leadership, our own and others' leadership. And when I say leadership, however, I don't mean just leadership in corporations and in organizations, but also leadership in life. Because uh, I've always wondered what happened if uh, on earth we have millions of people who are feeling leaders, that are leaders, and they walk their path and they are in their life feeling that they are impactful leaders, not necessarily because they are in corporations, but in their life. I think that we would have a very different uh, world, actually. So that's what I, that is what I was passionate about. And that's what I've been pursuing a career in. Well, and it's so important. I love that. Leadership is not something that is just, you know, the expectation of maybe a corporate professional. It's hopefully an expectation of all of us in a community and how we show up in our families or in our relationships. And I like that you bring that distinction up because a lot of people think that leadership is just when you walk into the door, that's when leadership begins. And then when you leave for the day, well, we don't have to think about those things. Whereas there's such a great crossover. If people learned, for example, how to resolve conflict, whether it's at work or at the relationship or with their relationships, they could cross over and use that or how to influence or how to communicate effectively. Everything has that crossover. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, 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 uh, 
leaders of ourselves as well, right? First of all, because uh, in order to influence and impact whatever environment we are in, we need to be able to, um, I say, influence ourselves first and actually know ourselves and be the best we can be. So first of all is doing the, 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 the work to become the best human being we can possibly be. Yes, because we have a short life to live and we have to maximize our impact or our fulfillment in it. Barbara, before we jump into the episode, I want to talk a little bit about your book, The Unexpected Gift. What inspired you to write that? Actually, uh, I love this question. (laughs) Uh, The Unexpected Gift is uh, uh, a memoir of my personal story, which is... um, a leadership story because um, it is the story of uh, um, how I found my identity and rebuilt my life after the implosion of my marriage that happened out of the blue. And it happened whilst I was uh, living uh, abroad and building my career, being in between countries and therefore experiencing life in different cultures. So um, I decided to write the book because at the time when everything happened, I was uh, by myself. I was in a foreign country and uh, I was building my personal life and my career and uh, um, I couldn't find any book or anybody that could tell me that what I was going through that was very painful and very harsh at the time would have had a happy ending. It would have been good eventually. And uh, what I was living, it was so shocking and so traumatic. And I had to figure out how to go through uh, those moments. And because I love books, um, I've always looked in books for some suggestions and helps and mentorships, or, and I couldn't find any. Um, and so I decided that um, I wanted to, I would have eventually um, taken the time to write about it. And so eventually I did. Uh, and the, the way I did it, I also remember that when those very difficult moments were happening, I had such a lucidity. My mind was so clear and there was such a transparency in what was going on that there were insights that normally I would not have about uh, life, about people, about how we feel, how we think. And so I decided in the midst of pain to write those insights somewhere. Uh, I had always uh, a piece of paper with me, a tiny little booklet. And so I would write all these insights because I knew that once the pain was gone, that clarity would have gone too. And so I did, and I did it for for a long time. And uh, eventually when the time was right and when the life showed the ending of the story, then I could put everything together and uh, and uh, I decided to write a book. And now it is uh, my contribution for people that go through traumatic experiences that want to uh, be, they want to know, and I want to tell them from the future that it's going to be all right, that it's going to be fine, no matter what they think or feel at the moment, because that was my experience. And I share what I went through and how uh, it is now from the future. And I think that that's a great contribution. And it is also a way to help people going through a process of healing. And it also is for those people that are next to people who suffer a lot, because often we do not know how to deal with the pain of others. And so, 
yeah, I wanted to give this contribution because I'm sure it is not for everyone, but for those who go through very difficult and painful situations, um, I think it is uh, a good hand. At least uh, this is what I was looking for. So that's why I, I wrote it. I love that you wrote a book just to give people hope and hopefully help them inspire their journey of clarity that even though they might feel at the bottom or just wrapped up in the pain and the trauma of an experience that there is a way out, that there is, you know, there will be clarity, time will pass and they will come out better on the other side. I think it's so important. And I think it's important to talk about on this podcast too, because again, leadership is not just something that we do at work. Leadership is how we live our lives and how we essentially manage situations, overcome obstacles and adversity and come out on the other side to truly maximize the experience that we have on our short time here. So thank you for writing that book, Barbara. I guess my last question about it is if we took out one nugget from the book, what's one important piece from the book that you are, or that you wanted to share with the readers? Well, given that, um, well, I love it all, actually. <laughs> but given that in this, uh, these days I am uh, uh, speaking a lot about role models and mentors, uh, um, I would like to take that little piece from the book. There is a chapter where I speak about unexpected mentors. And uh, it is very beautiful, I think, because uh, although I've been blessed with many people and many amazing friends and family that love me, when I went through that experience, my friends, uh, the people around me, did not have the experience of the, the depth of pain I was going through. And so even if they were loving me a lot and they were there for me, again, they could not support me in, in the sense of uh, how do I go about to move forward. And I found unexpected mentors in people that went through the atrocity of the Second World War, uh, survivors of concentration camps experiences, and they wrote about it, and they wrote their, their story in books. And so I started reading their stories, and I wanted to find in, and, and I was looking in their books to find how did they go through that, and what did they leverage, what, how were they thinking, what were they doing, what, what, what was that made the difference so that they survived something so traumatic. And so um, they were my new community. I found that I belonged to that community, not because what I went through is nearly close to what they went through, but exactly because of that, they went through so much more. They were able to, um, somehow I felt like I belonged to them. They were able to understand me somehow. And in their words, I found so much uh, um, lessons that I could learn and that I could put into practice myself. And uh, they became the giants of the soul for me and my unexpected mentors because it was as if I was on their shoulders and I could see forward. What I said before that my book wants to do, speak from the future, you're going to make it. That is the message I got from them, right? They, they were showing me that they made it in such a difficult situation. So who am I not to make it? given that they made it. So so they were my unexpected mentors. And still today, I am looking um, to them for, for greatness, for becoming the best possible human being I can be. My gosh, I love that story, right? We're 
Well, it's, it's all about, you know, sometimes within leadership, we have to look around us who has been in our shoes before. Again, not saying that you were in the same circumstance at all, but if we just look at a high level that if we look around us and our surroundings, who may have experienced conflict before, who may have experienced pain, who may have experienced this circumstance that you're in, someone may have done that. And what can you learn to be able to help yourself heal, move forward, be more resilient. I think it's so important to look around us because I think we, our natural tendency is to isolate and say, I'm all alone and no one has ever gone through something that I've gone through. And again, while we can't compare everyone's experiences to our own because they're all unique and we can't, you know, not looking at the concentration camps as a comparison, we can find ways that we are more alike than we are different and that we can find healing in being inspired by others and how they showed up. I think that's a really important message. And, and, and also allow me to add the link to leadership right? They had amazing leadership in what they went through and how they responded and how they acted in that situation. And I believe that they they lived courage. They were resilient. They, they trusted in life. And at the different degrees, if you look carefully, these are, um, these are traits that we need in today's, in, in our situation today, being it at work, Courage is simple, for example, if you have to have a very difficult conversation with somebody, right? And you do need the courage to start that conversation, to bring up some topics. Uh, we, need, uh, we need resilience because we want to go places, we want to achieve certain goals, and sometimes it is hard. And so you need to stick to your goal and your intention and don't get uh, frustrated too much at least, but keep going and being resilient about it, right? And trust that eventually what's good and what's honorable, eventually will you will make it and will be uh, the one element that will be the winner, right? So I think that uh, with a with a different degree of intensity and and pain, but the the traits and the qualities that we need in leadership, some of the qualities are these, right? Courage, resilience, trust. They, they are key. So let's dive into the conversation now, talking about how we can be an effective leader. Um, so we talked about, you know, one of that first, and I know we're going to dive more into it. What does it mean as an individual? But let's, you know, talk about where do people get it wrong? Like where, what are examples of bad leaders and where do they get it wrong? Why are they not effective? Um, what I would say, I don't know if get it wrong, because I don't think, I think that people um, try their best for the situation they are in and for the abilities to understand and, and uh, sense the situation um, they can do. Uh, I believe that a key element is uh, always to be aware of others, to know that we are not alone and that we cannot make it alone. So when you say, where do people get it wrong? I think that if you think to go solo, Especially in this historical moment, I don't think it works. I think that we need to collaborate, we need to cooperate with each other more and more. And especially if you are in a leadership position, you want really to have a team on board that contribute to uh, the mission, the vision, and that are actually your team members. It doesn't matter if you are in a leading position and they are your 
member of your team, right? We need to collaborate and cooperate. So doing things alone, I don't think that works. And uh, that would be my first, uh, my first answer to you. No, that's a really important answer. I remember something, and this could be more, you know, out there, but it was something that my aunt had shared with me when I was younger. And it was, I think when I was in my twenties, you know, still really going for that need for strong independence, right? I live my own life. I'm creating this, I'm blazing my own trail. And one of the things that my aunt said to me is that you will never be independent. We are always interdependent, meaning we will always need to rely on, depend on, trust, work with, collaborate with others. And you're right. I think the first, you know, when people, where do people get leadership wrong? It's when they think that it's, um, and I forget again who said this, but when they think it's a me and not a we, and it's, you know, we get that wrong when we just think that it's all about us. And that's when we miss out on the opportunity to leverage people's strengths, to connect with others and to get the most out of a team. Uh, How else do people maybe, you know, I guess, how else, what else gets in the way of people being effective leaders? I think when we, when we say, and we think I know better uh, and uh, we therefore have an arrogance that does not, uh, allow us really to listen to others and to take into consideration their contribution. Um, and, and I think that there, we need a level of humility, which doesn't mean that we do not have, we, we, do, we do not act with power or with, with, with strength. So humility is the fact that tells us that uh, um, I am not perfect and I always am um, in need of help from others, not because I am not enough, but because, as we just said, with others is better and we need their contribution. Whereas uh, and still too many uh, people who are in charge, they think that they they know what is needed and that's it. And what other bring to the table might not be as uh, uh, important or as worthy of be taking, being taken into consideration. And so, again, I would say that arrogance is what um, becomes, it becomes a big barrier. It becomes a big barrier to be an effective, uh, an effective leader. Oh, my gosh. I always, I say this when I teach classes on behalf of Crosscom for leadership development, When someone is onboarded into our class, the first thing I say is no ego. Drop your ego. Every person is here to be both your teacher and your student. We can all learn from each other and we can all teach each other something. But your ego is going to be the biggest obstacle that you will ever have to overcome. Because I think ego also, you know, that creates that friction, the frustration, especially if something doesn't go our way, you know, recognize the impact of ego and how much it can personalize things that don't ever need to be personalized and that we're just all humans doing our best. I love that coming back from it when you correct it. It's not that people are getting it wrong, right? It's that everyone's trying their best. I love that mention that you had said, because it truly is. We have to trust that people, you know, assume positive intent. People are doing the best that they can with the information, experience, tools that they have. But hey, we're going to give you a different way to approach it today. For those that may not realize how you could be showing up, that could be maybe creating friction on your team. We're going to talk about that. Crosscom is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. 
Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crestcom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crestcom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crestcom.com. Barbara, so where do you begin to become an effective leader? What's the starting point for that? I always start with uh, um, doing the inner work of leadership on ourselves. And uh, I always speak about a metaphor in relation to this first step, which I love, which is the metaphor of the watch. And uh, if we consider um, a, a beautiful watch, you can think about any watch you want. I like Pate Philippe, so I use that. <laughs> and uh, Pate Philippe, they have some models where you go, you see through the glass and you see all the engines and all the tiny little parts that constitute the movement of the watch. And they are clear, they are clean, they work in sync perfectly, and you can see the tiniest of them, and they are all perfectly synchronized, and they are taken care of. So I think that the first step is really to do the inner work, so that we can have our inner engine as clean, as clear, as well-functioning, as shiny as the patephilic watch. Because once it's done, that means that we have done the inner work to taking care of our understanding how we work, how we function emotionally uh, from a cognitive perspective, from a psychological perspective, even from a spiritual perspective for those who have that dimension. And once we have taken care of all those parts and aspects and we know how they influence who we are and how we behave and how we relate and how we interact, once that's done and our inner movement works smoothly and is smooth, then we can focus on others. We can focus on the business. We can focus on other people. We can focus on actually make other people shine because we are working and we are in harmony and we are in in a good balance within ourselves. So the first step is to me to be an effective leader is doing the inner work of leadership, which means do you actually know yourself? Going back for one moment to what you said before about the ego, right? We cannot let go of the ego if we do not know that we are in need, for example, of significance or we want to be seen because by being seen and being considered great at what we do, we are gratified and we feel at peace. So once we understand, this is just one example, right? Mm-hmm. But once we know that, then we can tame a little bit our ego and we can leave space more to others. But we need to know that first. We need to recognize that and we need to have had an insight about it. So I think that that's... That is just one example of why it is important to just start doing the inner work and know yourself. Because from that depends the, the style of leadership, the way you interact, the relationship you build, and eventually the business that uh, you create. My gosh, I feel I say this a lot to people. I think everyone needs either a therapist 
or a coach, someone that can stand with you and help you do that inner work. And I am pretty open about the inner work that I've done because why not? And I don't live in my story. So I feel open talking about it, but inner work for me, oh my gosh, it helped me understand if we're talking about how it came down to leadership, inner work for me was even understanding that I used to be, you know, triggered by authority and, and it's a result of my childhood, but understanding that when I was in a conversation with someone that was maybe an executive leader or had higher organizational positions or positions of power, then I would become more weak. I wouldn't be confident. I wouldn't be as assertive as I naturally was in circumstances that I trusted. But once I recognized that it was because of that, then I could say, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. And I could show up in a different way. But so many people maybe miss out on that opportunity to reflect and think about what are your triggers? How do you show up in different situations? And then be curious as to why do you think you show up that way? And I just think that's so important because for me, again, I saw so many parallels between what my childhood experience was into how I actually showed up as a leader, even coming down to the need for feedback, wanting people to tell me I was good enough instead of telling myself I was good enough. Uh, I, I don't know. You likely have a similar story, right? There's so many parallels between you know, what we've experienced and the implosion of your marriage, how that comes to be in terms of doing the inner work. What was my trigger? What was my identity? How do I rebuild? I know yeah. I just said a lot. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That you are, you are absolutely right. And, and uh, in my case, what I needed to figure out and discover quickly, not that it was a secret, but <laughs> that I needed to uh, take charge again was uh, trust because by being betrayed and by having my marriage um, destroyed so suddenly and out of the blue, I, trust for me became a, became a challenge. And it was very difficult to trust, first of all, myself, what I was thinking, what I was feeling. Am I actually get it right or not, given that in my, my mind and in my experience as it unfolded, it, I did it completely wrong, apparently. Of course <laughs> but I, I had to rebuild a new way of understanding trust in myself and therefore also in others. Because as you know, a leadership uh, and, and not necessarily in leadership position, but also in life, we relate to others, we are connected to others, and we do need trust. Otherwise, it's impossible. And so doing the work of really understanding trust and recognizing my way of trust and, and how do I rebuild that capacity for myself and for others, that's part of the leadership and that's part of my story. And that was one of the teachings and one of the great uh, exponential growth, let's say, that my story brought with me. Oh my gosh. So let's, I, you just brought up trust as a characteristic. And I know that you talk about it also with two other pieces that you addressed earlier. So if we're thinking about becoming the leader that we want to be. There are three things that we will need, three characteristics or traits, courage, resilience, and trust. And I know we just hit on trust and we'll probably come back to that, but let's start with courage. What does that look like to be an effective leader? What does that mean? Um, I think that courage is extremely important because um, courage is uh, actually from the, from the Latin word. It means the strength of the heart. And courage to me is uh, having the, first of all, the emotional ability to stand in uncertainty and to stand 
and be in fear, experiencing fear, and nonetheless having the strength to move forward and to face no matter what is in front of you. Being it uh, a very difficult decision because it does bring consequences that are quite uh, impactful, uh, being it a decision to have that difficult conversation that could jeopardize uh, a relationship that you care about. And so I think that developing the ability to be courageous, so having courage is uh, uh, an ability to stand in the truth, in what you believe in, what's valuable for you, and in to stand up for what is valuable for you, no matter what um, the consequences. And I think that that's a trait that leaders need, because sometimes um, leaders do need to go against what is perceived as right, because not everybody gets... Um, what it is about, for example. So you do need the courage to be alone. You do need the courage to feel like you are alone and nonetheless keep going. So it is it is really an emotional strength, a mental strength that leaders do need to cultivate. My gosh, and it's even, it sounds like, you know, there's a big piece of authenticity, but then there's a big piece of maybe leading and showing up kind of unapologetically, you know, and I don't mean that you're going around and lighting fires and making people mad, but also just saying that this is the right decision and I can't just follow the course, you know, Mm -hmm. just because that's what we perceive as everyone should be doing. I think that's so important, but yet, oh my gosh, how the heck do you have the courage? Because I think we still have that root of wanting to be liked as leaders. I think that's the biggest challenge. Leaders just so badly, and it makes total sense, want to be liked for being a leader. But yeah, so it can be very hard to stand alone. What advice would you give them? Um, It is true that we want to be liked. Uh, What we don't realize is that we do not need to be liked right now. (laughs) So, um. What I mean is that sometimes decisions that we make are not understood and it appears like they hurt others, they hurt others, and uh, in that very moment we are not liked. But if we stay and remain steadfast in our decision because we are moved by what we believe is good and right, hmm, then the fact of being liked, it is not that important because we, the, 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 the awareness that I am anyway contributing for the best becomes first. And my desire need to be light, which is still part of the ego, uh, can go second. And so it is part of learning to be a leader, the fact that even if I'm not liked right now, let's leave time and see, right? Because the goodness of what I am proposing, the decision I made, will show up eventually in some form, in some sort. So people that right now don't understand my decision and they don't like me right now, they might come back and like me later or reconsider, right? And if they don't, that's okay. I've done my journey and I have been living in integrity with what I believed was the right decision given the circumstances, the data I had at my disposal. So I think that um, we need, and that's where also the the, the courage uh, plays a part, right? We need to stand uh, in uncertainty of not being liked for a while. And it doesn't mean that it won't be, we won't be liked forever, but it is right now 
from that particular people, kind of people we are not like. And, and let's see. But I think that the good intention and uh, if decisions are moved by something that is actually good, it will come up eventually in a form or another. So we need to bear the discomfort and the frustration and, and maybe a little bit the fear of not being liked in your example or any other emotions that we do not feel comfortable with. We need to, we need to be strong enough to bear those discomfort as much as needed to move forward. Does it oh. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Embrace, like embrace the discomfort that there is not necessary. You know, it's, I think people always think there's a quick fix and sometimes it's just time <laughs> and yeah. you've got to understand that it's a moment of time. This too shall pass. It will not be like this forever. And, you know, give yourself that hope and understanding, which I think leads into our, your second characteristic of being an effective leader, which is resilience. So of like how, you know, resilience might be still pushing through, even when people may not agree with your decisions or like you or, you know, whatever the event or circumstance might be. Yes. And, and, and uh, keep going and be determined of, and, and keep uh, looking at what is your goal? What is that you want to achieve? What is it you want to communicate? And even if now you're not able to do it, uh, doesn't matter. You keep going with the good intention that moves you right underneath and so you keep going and you have that trust that that's why they go together you have that trust and and for someone could be also a faith that something good will come out of it and so you keep moving forward no matter what you perceive in the moment because sometimes we perceive uh, it as it was for me in in my experience uh, um, i had to become resilient because uh, what was happening in the outside world? It was totally not uh, in, in, not positive. It didn't speak about the great opportunities coming in the future. Actually, it it felt very often like everything was gone and everything was done and it was finished <laughs> and there was no future anymore. And so I had somehow to yes feel that think that and then doesn't matter I move forward as if there is actually a future as if there are great opportunities even if in the moment I don't feel that and so I think that the resilience is part of uh, it, it is this experience as well I might feel discouraged and I believe that no matter what I move forward because there might be something positive ahead and then with that belief I actually move forward and so the advice there, it sounds like if you want to build your own resilience, you also have to know what you're working towards. And I know we could talk about Simon Sinek, you know, start with why, but it's really about crafting a vision for your future that your circumstance today might not feel that great, might not inspire you, might not be where you want to be, but there can be better. Yes. But I would like to, to challenge that a little bit because... Okay. <laughs> because um, sometimes it is true that if we have a vision and we know where we are going, it is easier. But there are moments in our life where to even think or about the future or dream about the future or even trying to figure out the future is extremely painful. And so we can really not do it. And so I don't want to say that if you do not have a vision, you cannot move forward. Because for me, when my marriage collapsed and the life as I've had always thought about disappeared 
I didn't know how to think about the future. And yet I had to move forward because otherwise I would have literally sink into my uh, pain. And so it wasn't very difficult because you move, you need to move forward. And at the same time, you cannot, you do not know what to expect, what you dream, not even dream, think about. Right. And so uh, before being in a position, in a situation to craft a vision, I think that resilience is, you know, what believe that there will be a vision at a certain point that will show up and you will be able to tap into and recognize. But even if right now you don't have it, it doesn't matter because there is still life ahead. And what you want to do is just one step forward towards something that you might not know what it is. And I'm, and I'm speaking right for people that needs to work hard because they are in traumatic situation and difficult situation and they are still working in cooperation and in their life, but it's so painful. You can just take, make some steps and little steps. It doesn't matter if you do not have a vision, then there will be a moment when, okay, now I'm ready to actually create my own vision again. But first I have taken care of uh, myself and with resilience, I continued moving forward. I think that that's important because otherwise too many people go, oh, wow, so it becomes a problem if I don't have a vision. It becomes, how do I do that? There are moments when you want to work on a vision. There are moments when you need to be patient and work a little bit on something else first. No, I think that's an important um, pushback. Just that like you're not naturally going to transition to you know, especially from trauma, especially from trauma, that you are not going to move forward into being able to see the future very quickly, depending on the circumstance. So I think that's an important observation, consideration, and challenge because trauma plays a huge role. Mental health plays a huge role. Depression, anxiety, um, bipolar, whatever that might be, impacts our ability to be resilient. And you know, it impacts our ability to even see a path forward. And so I think that I love that you pushed back and challenged that and talked about just the small steps that we need to take. Thank you. (laughs) And And that doesn't mean that these people that have to take these baby steps won't become absolutely great leaders and will have their vision and realize that. I actually think the opposite because they had to slow down and really feel everything. And then they will be so ready to get to their vision when the time is right. Yeah. I don't think I would even be where I was today if I didn't go through pain. There's just no way. And when I'm talking about pain, it it can be mental health. As I've talked about openly on the podcast, I suffer from depression, but it could be just trauma that you have. And you know, looking at that as not a a mark of shame, not a mark of what makes you less than, but a mark of, you know, your current, of the traits that you're talking about, your courage, your resilience, your trust, and the strength that you truly have. Um, I just, there's a lot of value in when you can look back and it's not in the moment that you can look at it and say, wow, I really am happy about this situation or feeling like this. Um, But it is the reflection past to, you know, look at yourself and appreciate yourself for how strong and courageous and resilient you are. So let's wrap up with talking about the final component or characteristic, or maybe circle back because we talked about courage, you know, the courage to maybe move forward despite what other people might think or say, and then our need to be resilient despite whether or not we have a vision of the future. Um, But then also trust. What role does trust play in our ability to be effective leaders? Oh, 
that's a <laughs> that's a huge one. I think that trust is uh, really, I would say, everything. If you think about in this moment, you are trusted. The chair you are sitting on is not going to break. <laughs> I hope Even right. otherwise, <laughs> exactly, exactly. We are tr- we are constantly in trust. Even when we walk on a bridge, even if we don't think about it, is actually we trust that the technology that has built the bridge will stay and and will will work, right? So, um, I believe that the trust is really key, and it is made of. Uh, many different uh, components. How do we build trust? It has to do with uh, our ability to set boundaries, for example, um, and now I'm talking about trust in relation to people, right? Set boundaries and be sure that if I am communicating in relation or I am in a relationship with you, you know where my boundaries are and you're not stepping on them or beyond those boundaries that are important for me because it, it con- they constitute my safe space. And I need to be able to recognize your boundaries, for example, and not stepping into your intimate uh, area and life space. It has to do with uh, the ability to, um, to respect privacy when you speak to me about something or when I, I speak to you about something that is very important to me, uh, I trust that you, per, that, that you respect the privacy of what I'm saying and you are not going to talk about it on a podcast or <laughs> with, with other people. Um, it has to do, to build trust, we need to suspend judgment. Right. I need to suspend judgment. Uh, and when you say something, you need to feel um, free to express yourself, uh, knowing that I am actually listening without passing any judgment on what you say. But I'm actually open and listen to you and vice versa. This allows us to express ourselves fully. These are just some of the elements that we need to be aware of and that, that constitute what will build into into trust and uh, just by mentioning these few elements we see that um if the trust is an experience it is not just uh, something that i um i give you or or you earn it is really an experience made of tiny little events and behaviors that i am uh, experiencing when i am with you and and it is complex and it requires time and it uh, definitely i think it requires uh, focus the ability of knowing that everything we do in relationship uh, and therefore if you are a leader every time you interact with people in your team or with your uh, peers or other leaders in the organization uh, you are building trust or, uh, I don't say destroy because it is too strong, but you are walking backward. Sure, <laughs> eroding. Not tra- not eroding, thank you, uh, trust. So um, I think that it is, uh, it is uh, so important because then on trust we walk. And now I'm get- going back to the metaphor of the bridge. If I trust you, I can actually walk next to you and I feel safe and I can express myself and vice versa. If I am concerned and I feel that I don't have trust in you, we are not moving forward because it is I'm testing all the time that I am safe, that I what is going what what I am communicating is going to be taken care of. And so the focus remains on me instead of and on you instead of being on what we can create. Yeah. This is just one way of there are many, but uh, I have a, you're 
like how you talked about trust inspired me. Uh, I just taught a webinar last week on trust. And one of the questions that we pulled the group for was, should trust be earned? Like, should, do you earn it or do you just give it or give it? Like, do you give it off the bat when you have a new employee or you have a new boss? Do you just say, okay, like we're going to be working together. I'm going to give you trust or do you not trust them until they prove themselves to you? What's your take on that? Because it was actually a pretty big split in terms of how people see that. Yeah, I think that um, it's both. So I start always for the kind of person I am, for example, I start always assuming that people are acting and behaving in, in, in good faith and with good intention. And so my starting position is I am open to trust you. Then I am also aware that I need to be um, conscious, right? That because trust is a complex experience and it is made of many different um, behaviors. And here I am thinking Brene Brown's and her seven behaviors, the braving, she, she calls them the seven behaviors that uh, constitute trust because trust is a complex experience. Uh, I am open to trust you. And at the same time, by interacting with you and by entering a relationship with you, I am at work and we are colleagues, right? I know where I stand in relation to trust. If I know, for example, that for you is a little bit difficult to respect privacy because maybe you never thought about it as an important element in relationship and therefore it is easy for you to uh, just talk about things that I confide in you with other people, not because you're bad, but just you don't think about it, then there it becomes a moment where we build one step further trust. I can come to you and have a difficult conversation, non-judgmental, but I am expressing how I feel in relation to the way you handle privacy with respect to me. And that becomes an opportunity to build that element of trust, right? So um, in that moment, you do earn a little bit of, uh, it is like a, one one if we if we have a jar we put in a jar all stones that build a trust then I will put in a jar a colorful stone because once we have that conversation and we have clarified that I'm I feel like next time at least you will think a little bit more right yeah, based on our conversation so that it will build a little bit of trust so. I am open to give you trust and then I am also aware and I will pay attention with respect to my way of feeling that I can trust you, where do you stand and how can I work with you to build more and more our ability to trust each other and our capacity for trust. So I think it is both given and earned at the same time. No, I think that's important. And the levels of trust that you might give it to you. And then it's the opportunity to fill the jar after that. Barbara, I am so grateful for our conversation today. How can our audience get in touch with you? Um, there is my website, which is uh, my name, www.barbaradallepezze.com. <laughs> and, uh, um, and there is also, I am on LinkedIn, active on LinkedIn. So just by uh, typing my name, uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, which I always love. You can also get your book, The Unexpected Gift, on your website. Barbara, thank you so much for sharing your time, your thoughts, your just beliefs, everything with our listeners today. I am very grateful to have met you and to have had this conversation. 
Thank you so much, Anne. It's been really great having this conversation with you and thank you for having me here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I really enjoyed my conversation with Barbara. If you know a friend that could benefit from hearing this podcast topic of how to be an effective leader, share it with them or share it with a coworker, share it with your team. Together we rise. And of course, if you are interested in developing your leaders, head on over to crosscom.com. There you can schedule a two-hour complimentary leadership skills workshop where we come into your organization to help you develop your leaders. And of course, if you want to connect with Dr. Barbara Dale Petze, you can head on over to our website. And there you can find additional information about her services as well as purchase her book, The Unexpected Gift. Until next time.